and welcome to Tech Live. Stephanie Christopher here, Chief Executive of the Executive Connection. Tech Connect CEOs, executives, and business owners to the world's largest business leader network. My guest today is Todd Coates, who's the founding CEO of the globally renowned Bridge Climb Sydney and worked there across two decades, voted the best experience in Australia and the fourth best on the planet. Todd has 35 years of leadership practice in theme and amusement parks, experiential attractions, tourism, new business and project development. He has expertise across multiple disciplines, both private and public companies, with entrepreneurial, corporate, industry and community stakeholders, including board and advisory experience with a range of industry and government bodies. Todd is adept in the design and building of new business cultures and the renewal of mature businesses. He experiences joy in helping CEOs and business owners to build their business, their teams, and themselves. Todd Coates, welcome to Tech Live. Thank you, Stephanie. Excellent to be here. So Bridge Climb, how was that working on, well, I guess it wasn't so iconic when you started there. It wasn't at all, in fact. It was a a blank sheet of paper. So what a wonderful journey to be part of, Mm. meeting Paul Cave, who'd already worked on it for 10 years Right. when I met him to then taking that blank page and with 1,500 people turning it into something that was quite extraordinary and just wonderful to be a part of. When you started there, it had been going for 10 years already. Paul's journey in in, in trying to actually yeah, right. create his the vision for his, it. His yeah. vision for it. And I guess you'd say that Paul is a pure entrepreneur. Yeah. And it was the Steve Jobs and Wozniacki team. Yeah, right. That, that classic duo where yeah. you have the entrepreneur, the outside person, and he needed the inside person yes. to, to bring it together. And I guess I was that person for him. Have you always been the inside person? Reflecting back, Stephanie, yes, I think so. I think I've always been about executing on an idea and, and making that idea real and then finding the ways with the team to make it very special. Hmm. Where were you just before Bridge Climb? I I was working as CEO of Australia's Wonderland. Yeah, that's right. A, a wonderful theme park and wildlife park, which is sadly sadly in our past now in Sydney. Mm. But again, it was a, another special place. It was you know I remember when that kind of when it first opened. That was the eighties, wasn't it? When it, it opened, opened in nineteen eighty five. Yeah, and it was the big thing because it was out west, as we would say in Sydney. Yes. <laughs> and it was kind of the big thing to travel there. They they certainly had people that, at that park from all over Sydney, didn't they? They did. They did. So let's get you to Bridge Climb. So you, you kind of got the train back across the bridge to the north side from Australia's <laughs> Wonderland. And and there was the idea you had to build a team, I guess, to execute We had to them. build a team. And we also had literally a blank page. mm and to populate that blank page, we had really our starting point was, well, what do we believe is going to be important about this? And mm. in particular, the word we would always use is, is what are the principles around this? Yeah. Tell um, me what you mean by principles. Principles, it's when you have a blank page on anything, any task you set out to do, there's no policy, there's no procedure, there's no mm. manual. Um, you, you end up relying on, well, what's right? And mm-hmm. why do we think that's going to be right? And and what do we believe? And therefore, let's make the decision based on those things. Hmm. So we came up with a range of those things for for bridge climb. But and is that like values or? Well, values is something we might chat about a little bit later because I've been doing a lot of thinking about that lately. 
but it was probably more about what she might call foundations. So if you're designing a building, and mm. I, I liken building a business to designing a building or architecture, mm -hmm. and, and then you go through the building process, you start with the foundations, mm -hmm. if you like, and, and they're the things that will never change. Or they won't change without thinking about it very, very deeply. They're the things that will remain a constant. And so we started with those things. And what? give me an example of what a principle or a foundation principle might look like. I'll give one which will make absolute sense in the context of what we were going to do, which is nothing shall fall. Love it. And from those three words, every part of the safety system mm. and the workflow and the process always came back to nothing shall fall. Mm, that's so great. that's a, 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 a really nice straight example. Well, it's very um, illustrative, isn't it? Yes. Like if yes. you're talking about climbing up a big you, bridge. You have a picture. Yeah, in your yeah, head. that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And I, and I love it, as you say, as a foundation principle because it's so business critical as well. Yes, yes. Another one would have been that we wanted this to be very precious. And what came out of that was an understanding of the iconic power of the bridge yeah, and how special it was in the hearts of Sydney and, and people all over the world. Mm. And from that came something, we a principle that became our purpose, which is we're here to make a hero of the bridge and a hero of every, of every climber. And that principle became our purpose, which then informed again how we put everything together. So I really get the idea, you've said it about maybe three or four times since we started talking, starting with a blank sheet of paper. That's obviously a, a kind of a concept for you, but because you were working with other people, you literally had something that looked like a blank sheet of paper to start working on. Yes. Is that where you always start? That's a really interesting question. And I think in my head with any new task or any new project, I, I probably do look to that blank sheet and not necessarily bring any any luggage or from previous tasks, but okay, what, what is this task about? And one thing we would always do at Bridge Climb and is we'd always start each project with the phrase, what's the aim here? And we'd always construct that first, even before what are we going to do and how are we going to do it? What's the aim? And we would always come back to that during the process. So are we achieving the aim and is it still the right aim as we go through? So I think I think I'd still do apply that process today. Mm. Yeah. I like that. What's the aim here? Because it's very easy to um, dive straight into the solution or execution, isn't it? It is, particularly when you start to gather people around you and they're all experts. They're all subject matter experts in their field and it helps them to keep their expertise in some sort of context. Mm. Yes. So as you built the team at Bridge Climb and, and other teams that you've built as well, at what point do you start to have a culture? At the moment, the third person walks in the room. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think and, and you immediately then have three people who each have their own internalised values and beliefs Yeah, and you start to work out how we're going to do things around here yeah, <laughs> and who we are and um, who we want to be. So is culture as simply as people saying the way we do things around here or what else makes up culture? 
it's such a, a, a wondrous beast made up of so many things. But I, I think one of the key aspects of culture to start with is is that often culture is. It absolutely is. And so often it's unintentional. Tell me when you say culture is because there's no um, objective there is, to that sentence. Culture. There is a way that we do things around here. There is a There is a range of things we believe in. There is a way that we practice and do things. Yeah. Um, they exist, they're real, and yeah. those things collectively make up our culture. And I think our choice is as, as leaders, and this has been my great, great learning through all the experiences, it can be unintentional, mm. and then you will have results that you don't necessarily control and outcomes that you don't necessarily desire. And we see that around us as... as mm. As citizens every day, we see mm. failures, what we all perceive to be failures in the way things are done. And so it's, I've learned that you can't be very intentional. And in fact, you should be very intentional. Because what I'm taking from what you've said, Todd, is that culture is going to, culture is whether you like it or not, or whether you think about mm. it or not, it still is. Is that right? Yes, that's exactly how it actually is in any organisation. Um, but we have a choice to be very intentional about that. Mm. And back to that design architecture, mm. we can think about what materials do I want to use? What quality will it be? I always start with and customer first. Mm. And every culture, be it not-for-profit or social enterprise or commercial enterprise, would, would start with customer first before anything and then build the elements from there. And when you're intentional about a culture, do you design it, back to your blank sheet of paper, but do you design it before you start hiring people to come into that culture? Yes. In in the case of Bridge Climb, we did. But then we had the first, we had about 40 people mm -hmm. in the initial intakes to, before we opened and we engaged them in the process. So the way I describe it, we had a selection of materials we could use to build our building. Mm -hmm. the foundations mm -hmm. and we could have we could select from a purpose we could select from a vision a mission we could select values that we might believe in we could select principles and mm -hmm. so on and what we did was we considered which of those suit our purpose and we chose three or four that we would use mm -hmm. and not all of them and we chose purpose because we had yes. one already we were yeah. very clear on that and we chose vision which was what's our aspirational picture of the future yeah. that we'll always be chasing. And we chose mission, which is what are we going to do mm -hmm. every day, every person, no matter what role we do, mm -hmm. we're going to be doing this thing. How do we make it pragmatic, real, down-to-earth, common sense, grounded, no try to avoid buzzwords and corporate yes. speak? Yep. So you asked about those people. Those 40 people were involved in creating the vision. And they were involved in creating the mission. And I look back on that time, actually, in reflection, it was an incredible thing to be a part of. And with our mission, for instance, we had a night session where we asked the climb leaders, the first yes. climb leaders, to get together in little groups of four. We gave them the parameters and then asked them to design a mission. And four of them did this little song and dance. Yeah. Um, they were climb leaders, right? Yeah. They, were, they, were, they were very outgoing, outgoing yeah. people. And they sang this song 
and we were all sitting there, the leadership, and they said four words in the middle of this song. And the four words were, every climber, every time. Nice. Yes. It was just like all the Lego blocks clicked into place. And we all looked at each other in the leadership and just went, wow, that's it. And we changed one word. It became every climber, every climb. And then no matter what role we did in the country, in, in the company, myself as CEO or somebody working in the finance team or human services, mm. everything we all did was about, in the end... Every climber, every climb. Make a hero of them. Mm. So it was a... That was wondrous. And those 38 people who are out there could still look back and say we were part of that creation. Mm. Yeah. What a powerful story. How many staff did you end up with at Bridge Climb? Um, Around 250. So how did you manage to maintain or enhance the culture as more people came on board? Scaling up always changes things. It's interesting that the foundations didn't change over the 20 years, but how we applied them did. Mm. And to think about your question, what became really clear as we scaled was that one person, two people, half a dozen people couldn't be cultural champions on their own and that we needed cultural champions everywhere in the business. Mm -hmm. And I reflect back and think that what we learned was that we each have biases, we each have strengths that we can play to and we actually learned the value in our culture of creating champions around certain things. And their positional title or their hierarchical position in a traditional structure didn't actually matter. Mm -hmm. It was the fact that they were the best in the business at that. So it helped us propagate this. And they each held one of our cultural pieces in their hands. Mm -hmm. I can think of one of our team members who was probably the champion for customer. We had another team member who was the champion of safety. And, And all these various aspects... And then we found the best way to keep it together as we grew was to create some sort of rituals around it. And this is another part of the intentful Mm. thing that I think businesses can sit down and carve out some time to think about what rituals do we have Mm. that reinforce and celebrate how we do things around here Mm. and praise it when it's done right. And there were many examples of those. A small example, a detail that was so important though, was in any written communication, in anything when any of us was standing up, it is always we, not I. And woe betide, and this is where some people found our culture very strong. Yeah. And we did have examples. There were casualties on the way, Mm -hmm. and there were some people who I would say colourfully ran screaming onto the street. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully not from the top of the bridge. (laughs) And decided that's not for me. Yeah. Because in the end you do look for people who believe what you believe and and, and, and want to be a part of that. And that we, not I, though as a ritual, when you're thinking your customer first and it's every climber, every climb, percolates up through everything you do, Mm. that one detail. Then at a broader level a ritual would be what we would call celebration hour. Mm Mm-hmm which was something we did every month and we got everyone together. And you know what, Stephanie, this is what changed with the growth. Yeah. Over the year, what celebration was in, in 1998 and yeah. what it was in 2018, it was so different. And what we did at those celebration hours always changed. But everything we did in them was still about celebrating a customer story mm-hmm. or celebrating something someone had done in the business 
that might have come out of left field in a pocket but still celebrated mm. making it about every climber, every climb. And how often would you have a celebration hour? Once a month. Once a month. Yes, and that's a good point because it's really important with our rituals that we have, like everything else, we mm. have, a, we have a, a timing for budgets and a timing for this activity and that activity that, mm. that it's planned, mm. intentful, mm. intentful. Do you know, it's interesting. I, I've been thinking about that and thinking about culture. Ashton Bishop, who talks about customer centricity yes. and surprise and delight and talking about surprising with the unexpected. Yes. And, you know, something I'm really finding with my team is an unexpected early mark, in inverted commas to use a primary school term, I think has more impact than than some rituals that we may or may not think about having. Oh, the power of... Um, I've heard Ashton speak about that too and we actually did call it at Bridge Climb Surprise and Delight. Yeah. And we equipped all of our frontline team members. We, I, I prefer to say equip rather than empower. Yeah. I think equips are much more... Yes. And we trained them that they could deploy surprise and delight mm. and a bit like your example of the early mark which i love and how much how powerful are such small things mm. that we had a climb leader who learned from one of his climbers on the climb that she absolutely loved snickers bars yeah talked about it a fair bit <laughs> and they got back to the base they were doing their photos and the climb leader went down to the cafe and said could i have a snickers bar i really want to present it to this customer mm. But it not only blew the customer away, it blew away everyone else in the group. Mm. And, yeah, I, I love it too. It's surprise and delight. Yeah. That's good. I just realised I've blown it with my team now when they listen to this and they go, oh, she's thinking about that whole early mark thing. <laughs> there'll be a queue. There'll, there'll be, be a queue, there'll be a queue at the lift. Yes. <laughs> so back to your champions, they knew they were a champion, so yes. I would know I'm the safety champion. Yes. And everyone knew they were. Yes, thank you. That's a, a really mm. a, exactly right. It was very important that people were celebrated for their particular strength. And um, a lot of listeners would, would understand black hats, white hats, mm. red hats, and so on from that framework of thinking. I, I can recall people in our organisation who were very strong black hats, mm. but we, we actually celebrated that mm. because they were the ones I know who we need have a crack at this and yeah. see if it'll actually Let's get work. a naysayer in here. <laughs> let's, get a, let's get one of our black hats in here yeah. to work this one over. Yeah, yeah. it's good, isn't it? And yeah. back to intentional, being really... Intentional, and we would laugh about it, and they knew yeah. they were seen that way, but they celebrated themselves as well. So, Todd, what I know of you, I'm like, I get the impression you're really good at this. What about when it goes horribly wrong? What about when... Did you have any times at Bridge Climb or somewhere else where it kind of went pear-shaped, the culture. Yeah, I can think of an example where I was working in a business where I came into a, let's call it a, a legacy culture. Yeah. The culture was, it existed. And that was a, a, an enormous challenge for me. I had felt I'd learned a lot away, along the way, but I wasn't prepared for the intensity of the work and the challenge of defining a culture we wanted to go to, a change of state, mm. and then having to work with people who couldn't make that change. And in reflection, Stephanie, my personal reflection is common to, to many leaders, I didn't face those people soon enough mm. and didn't move them from the culture soon enough. And that was a powerful learning and we did achieve a state change but not as far as I would have liked. What stopped it? I moved. I actually came back to Bridge Climb. <laughs> yeah, right. 
and there was a there was a, and actually the thing that brought me back to bridge climb was something that had happened in the culture this is actually a really good little story mm. it was something that had happened in the culture while i was while i was absent for about 2 years mm. and I remember talking with Paul and then talking with the two key leaders mm -hmm. who had been caretaking the business for about six months. And they had wrought something incredible, which completely re-energized me mm. and made me want to be a part of it. And this was, the, this was the thing. They changed the foundation. And the foundation belief or principle was, because nothing shall fall, mm -hmm. as, we as we talked about earlier, yeah. our principle was, we will dictate to you how you do the climb. Yep. You have to wear this jumpsuit. You have to do whatever. And you have to do it this, this way. way. Exactly. 12 years into the business, the team had the confidence, mm. the mastery, the expertise to think about customer first and go, no, no, no. How can we do the climb for you? That one little flip changed the way we did everything for the next five years. Out of that came... Um, climb celebrating every cultural belief and diversity where we could create something around that cultural value. Out of that came climbs that would celebrate the values or the practices of different corporate clients mm. or personal events or people living with a disability. And it was wonderfully renewing mm. and, and very exciting to be a part of. And so the credit for that goes to those people who, when I was away, mm. challenged a foundation. How, do you know, I was having a chat with my mentor about exactly this this morning. So how can you still be in the business? Imagine if you didn't have that mm. time away mm. and you were still there and the founding principle was yours mm. and the, your interpretation of it was nothing shall fall, therefore you'll wear this terrible grey suit and you'll yes. walk up the bridge the way we tell you to walk. Yes. How could you have, as, as a leader, have supported the team, enabled the team to come up with that significant change while you were still in the gig? You know, that is a wonderful that you're musing about that. Mm. And I think all of us, after we've spent five to ten years with a business, this should be a compulsory mm. thing we are we are we are walk into or we are dragged into. Yeah, yeah. And in some way force us to go back and, and start again with that blank sheet of paper. Yeah. And get that mindset. And I was fortunate to have that break mm. where, where that occurred. And in other cases, I think you're making a really important thought about how we do that with awareness mm. and intentfully as part of a, as part of a company's journey. It, it reminds me too of the of the thing that I learnt most in the final five years that I was with Bridge mm. Climb as well, coming back into that new culture. Because another change that had happened, I think this is part of the journey you're mm. describing, is you also in that process you describe can make that switch from being the person at the centre of the field mm. to to use an AFL term. And and Stephanie, you know, I'm I'm <laughs> a little bit passionate about the Sydney Swans, but to use an AFL term, from going the person at the centre to a boundary umpire, where you're doing you're making sure that if the ball comes off the field, you pick it up and throw it back in and say, okay, not out here, but keep mm. playing the game. But you you stand back and you let them play the game. Mm. And that was the other switch I think that came from 
Your time out. That extraction out of the business, yes. So you came back in a different different way, a different a guise different almost, didn't you? Yeah. As a completely different person. So there really were two very distinct phases in my journey with Bridge Climb. And the key thing that I, I, I found in that last five years, and it's something that exercises my mind a lot now, was that we had started the business with values mm. as one of our cultural mm-hmm. building blocks, as many organisations do. And then as I more observed and watched excellent people doing excellent things and just, you know, excelling in every way, mm. I had a, a, a few different realisations about values and the thought was that values are something we each have, mm. they're internal beliefs, they, they're there and they guide our individual actions mm-hmm. and how we behave. As an organisation though, you've got 250 people all with different internal values. How is it that they still work as a seamless whole? Mm. And it got me to thinking about behaviours. Mm-hmm. And going back now 20 years, that's if I was starting again, I would start with behaviours. Mm, nice. Not with values. Yeah. And I've been reflecting that behaviours really are values in action. Yeah. Well, it's what we believe. It's how we show what we believe. Exactly. Mm. And I, I may not be able to change the way you, what you believe mm. in, your own internal values. They're very near and dear mm. to you. But I can say, if you want to be part of this group, mm. organisation, team, this is how you'll behave. And if we do that intentfully, we can design a set of behaviours that will result in, as an output for the organisation, the values we want. And then as a leader and all through the organisation, it's easy to hold people to behaviours oh. than values because it's hard to say to someone, you're feeling the wrong thing. Exactly. And Brene Brown, who I keep quoting here after I saw her, says it really well. She gave the example of someone in her team who she said, it's okay for you to be angry in a meeting. It's okay for you to be frustrated. It's not okay for you to bang the table with your fist. Love it. And that's specifically about the behaviour. Love it. It's good, isn't it? It is fantastic. And I can think of other examples from bridge climb and then I can also uh, the two sort of areas of research for me have been my own experience of bridge climb and then again studying the culture of the Sydney Swans yeah yeah and their culture the bloods culture as it's called was Mm. was born in key behaviors actually did it in that order they Mm. started with the key behaviors but we talked about we not I and I love your example of how you feel is okay, but we don't bang the table yeah, around yeah. here. That's not a behaviour we yeah, tolerate. Yeah, I love that. A, a similar one, actually a more positive sort of behaviour at Bridge Climb was this one of we know every climber's name mm. and we use it. And that came from the founding team as well. Mm. Some climb leaders had a particular skill because they were professional guides. Yeah. And the rest of us watched them and we recognised that our name is out the most powerful thing we own next where we come from. And... Wow. And that became a mandatory behaviour. And you know, it was tough for the leaders. It was tough for me. When you have 250 people. And you have to know everyone's name. You have to know everyone's yeah. name. And, you know, it must have got tougher too as as tourism became a more global business industry in Australia. So with people, you know, if you how many people on a climb? 
Well, it, it changed over the years. We started mm. with 10 mm. and then it became 12 and then it became 14. So 14 people anyway, if they're 14 people with names that it might be the first time you've ever heard that name. Yes. That'd be really hard. It's extraordinary. Did and that go right through till the it did. end? Yeah. And we obviously had come up with we had come up with training and mm. techniques. Uh, and yeah, yeah. There was a lot of internal work done on mm. that, but it still came down to the individual. And were they prepared to when they joined? This is the behaviour we expect. Yeah. That you will know every climber's name. Yeah. And you must perform that behaviour, mm. or you shouldn't be part of this team. And it's like your example. Mm. We don't do it that we way don't. around here. Maya Palaka, who I spoke to here, talks about guardrails, which I really like as well, rather than policies. And she talks about flexibility and the and the new way of working. But I love that model of guardrails because I think that's, you know, no, that's stepping outside. You actually, that that behaviour is outside our guardrails. I love that. That, that creates a really clear picture in my mind, mm. as as does being a boundary yeah. umpire. And, and That'd be even thinking. clearer for you, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> it's your dream. Is that your dream job or in the centre? It could be both. That's yeah. a, that's a, that's a, that's a question for another time, yeah. perhaps. And I, some of the key behaviours I remember from the Sydney Swans that they, they formed in 2002, they put three words on a board, on a whiteboard, mm. disciplined, relentless, hard. Mm. And and they were what they wanted to be. And one of the behaviours that came out of that that I just love is when it's my turn to go, I go. When it's my turn to get in and attack the ball, mm. I don't stand back, I go. And I love that as a behaviour. I love that. When it's my turn to go, I, I go. go. I go. I own it. If this is my thing, I'm going to do it. Such a wonderful way of wow. saying ownership, which is a yeah. value. yeah. And from all these things, we we get outputs: diversity, inclusion, yeah, trust, yeah, honesty, integrity. If if we've framed our behaviours to get that outcome mm. from the group, boy, lots to think about there. Lots to think about. What else? You you alluded to some things you were going to come back to. Well, behaviours was the key one. Yeah, and I'm I'm fascinated, and my my research in recent times has has been at, to look at the companies we all see as great as individuals and then mm. look at companies in, in all sorts of spaces and sizes. And I, I am fascinated to see that we all we all will list out a set of values, but so, so very few mm. have defined behaviours and then talk about those behaviours publicly. Mm. So I think in building an intentional culture and designing the architecture of a business, it's a, it's a really interesting space to explore. What's the the main message for a, maybe a new CEO, new but, new to a business or new to the role? Let's say a, C, a person who's new to the role as CEO. Where do they start? I think one of the things we 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 neglect, one of the things we neglect when we're starting out a business is something you said at the very start. We go straight to the solutions. Yeah. We, we go straight to the how, the what, the processes, and so forth. At the beginning of anything. Be intentful about one thing, and that's carving out the time to sit down and be intentful about the aim, the principles, those foundation mm. elements. Think about what they are and which ones will I use. Mm. All of them's probably too much, mm. but which are the two or three that matter to mm. me? And above all else, this, this is the moment where you can decide who we are, who we want to be. And whether it's starting a company or just starting a new task or project, 
my, my first piece of advice is let's sit down, let's carve out that time. Blank sheet of paper. As they did at NASA when the, the famous story where they, they oh, we've got six years to put a man on the moon. Mm. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for announcing it. Thanks, yeah. Thanks Mr. President. Yeah. And they started with, well, okay, they, we've got a, what's the aim? A man on the moon. Mm. Okay, let's start there. What, does, what will he need? Mm. Well, he's going to need a spacesuit, and then he's, and then they—that was sort of the point where they had to sit down and think. Well, how are we going to do this? Mm. So there's three things that I'm going to reflect on, but three things you've talked about today. One is a new word, and that word is intentful. 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 And you know, I'm going to stick with it because I I think that we talk about intention or what's your intent, but mm. I think I think we're going to stick with this word we've created here of intentful. Mm. because it's about being full of intent, being very specific mm. and clear and purposeful about what you're doing. So I love that. Mm. The second one is culture is, which sounds a bit John Donne, nothing else is. Culture is really good, that that it's everywhere. It's all around you and there's nothing you can do about it or there's something you can do about it, but you need to recognise it's there and yes. that's very yes. good. And the third one is a, a very powerful place to finish, Todd, and that's the idea of behaviours. Yes. That actually we can we can expect behaviours, we can give feedback on behaviours. Yes. We can talk about what behaviours really work for us. Yes. Uh, whether we're still in the middle of the playing field or whether the boundary umpire on the outside looking, kind of looking in a little bit. But... You've given us a lot to think about. You've given me a lot to think about. And I've enjoyed our conversation. And Todd Coates, thank you very much. Stephanie, thank you. It's been excellent. So that's Tech Live for today. CEOs are in the business of making decisions and leadership is the art of execution. I'm Stephanie Christopher and look forward to talking to you next time. Mm-hmm.